0: One hour to go on. Oh, God. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Damn, that was. uh, Oh, man. That was some good radio right there.
0: It's so embarrassing. We're struggling right now on these airwaves. Somebody just wrote in not too long ago. How we need to Lysol everything down because everybody is sick at
2: some point. That's what I said yesterday.
0: I know everybody has been getting sick. I just gave out. I mean, my tire just blew out completely. I'm on the side of the road now. But you've been struggling this entire show. You had to stop mid-take. I forget what you were talking about. Maybe Reggie Miller slander. I don't know. But you had to stop (laughs) mid-take. Wes was throwing up last week. Typical I was
1: choking when talking about Reggie Miller.
0: That's true. Although maybe you were talking about Carmelo now that I think about it. That would probably be more in line. We've been really struggling, man. I know Jeff, I don't know if it was because he was sick. I know T-Bone did not do... Mac and Bone earlier today. Kyle Bailey had to miss. Smoke missed yesterday. It's been going around, man. I hope everybody else is taking care of themselves. I know we're trying, but not really succeeding at that here at WFNZ. So
2: I come in, man. I sanitize my whole area before mm-hmm. I sit down and do this show. You do, and I I
0: did. Uh, the first couple times that I was sick I did not do it this time. Usually I have the mic cover, right? I have my own mic cover yeah, that's something. are talking on a raw mic today. That... I know. I just completely forget to <laughs> forgot to put it on.
2: KB going to come in right behind you in here.
0: Well the thing is we're going to put the the cover on though. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like the cover is going to be you know, n- not useful. Right, right, right. But yes, I did forget to put the cover on because I always forget. It's something that I've been <laughs> struggling with. I, no, it's something that I struggle with. And it's no, something no. no. Like,
2: you know, what my mind is with all the things that are being.
0: No, started. I appreciate you for stopping and making sure that you brought that up. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, <laughs> we do know where your mind is. <laughs> 704-570-9610. That's where you can text us via the garage door guru text line. So let's talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. We were just asked this by Myron Goodman. Do we feel better about North Carolina having a successful season, meaning Final Four, possible championship appearance, or do we feel better about the Panthers actually reaching the postseason? We went with the Panthers reaching the postseason. It's because the NFC South is absolute trash right now. Mm -hmm. It's because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the leader in the clubhouse, and they're a monumental coaching meltdown away from actually losing that game against the new Orleans saints before their contest against the San Francisco 49ers Tampa Bay has not looked good all year long. The one thing you could count on kind of was their defense and they allowed Brock Purdy to put up 35 points before they themselves scored a touchdown. So the fact that that is the team that you have to pass and it's a team that you already have knocked out earlier in the season Carolina has a real shot at some playoff experience this year. Wes, what do you think a playoff appearance would mean for this fan base?
2: <laughs> I, I think it will mean more than it probably should. I think you will have a mixed. There you go. I think you'll have mixed reviews from a lot of the fan base because it's like what is your goal getting to the playoffs? Because basically it's just to say that we went to the playoffs because your record doesn't necessarily reflect that you're a playoff team just by the rules of engagement. And then just, okay, of course, maybe you could get in and get a win, but more than likely you will not. So then it's like then it takes you out of draft position. Then you have to kind of figure out what you're going to do with that. How are you going to find a signal caller? Because as I said, next year, I don't know that this team can come in and perform the way they have with expectations and with the roster as currently constructed. So as far as what would fans get out of a playoff experience, to be frank, nothing, because all it would be to me would be a one and done performance. Just to say that you went to the playoffs and those fans that are out there like, oh, we should just win, win, win. But I just don't think for the future success of this franchise, a playoff appearance is going to do much. And I think it will hurt more than help.
0: See, yeah, uh, I disagree. I think it would mean Let's a lot. Go, And I think it would mean a lot because if you miss out on the playoffs again, mm-hmm. that'll be five straight years that you've had a season where you don't reach any kind of postseason action. You can make all of the jokes about Carolina football that you want to. It's not something that this fan base is really all that used to. You had the big drought from 97 to 2002. So you had six straight years where you did not reach the postseason. Then the next season, they actually reached the Super Bowl. So then two years after that, they make the playoffs again in 05. Then 08, then you had a four season drought, but then you go three straight times, four out of five years here at the beginning of the 2010s. And I don't want this drought to go any longer as a Carolina Panther fan myself. This also, I think speaks to this championship or bust mentality to deem a successful season in sports where I understand you're putting context to this Carolina Panther situation, If you get into the postseason, most likely you're going to lose a first round playoff game and then you just hurt your quarterback chances. I get that. But a playoff, a playoff game, I think means quite a bit to the players that are on this team right now. I think it would do quite a bit for this faith that your fan base is starting to lose. I mean, Wes, at the beginning of this year, you're talking about all faith lost in this team. Plenty of people. We're asking this team to just go ahead and tank. Not all of them, okay? Not 100% of the fan base, but plenty of the fan base was saying, let's just start looking at the draft. The Carolina Panthers and Steve Wilkes have given some real hope to Carolina right now. There's a real shot that they could get to the postseason. And this also gives hope to the future, right? Like, if we think that they're a quarterback away, well, your defense has been playing lights out lately. Your offensive line you could keep them going forward because it's not Taylor Mowin's making a lot of money, but he's locked up. Icky's on a rookie scale contract. Everybody else on this line. It's not like you're paying a ton of money to keep them and they're playing really well. DJ Moore is locked up like Jeremy chin. You can lock away. Derek Brown on rookie scale. You'll have to pay him, but I expect them to good foundational pieces to have a playoff experience, to have a playoff game under their belt while they still go forward, I think the fans would recognize that. And I think that matters for this team.
2: Well, yeah, it it matters in no sense. And everything you said, those are valid points. Uh, No doubt about that. It's just, you know, maybe because I'm an outsider looking in. But I know even with my own team, with the 49ers, if they're going to be bad, I want them to be real bad. Uh, You know, I don't want playoffs just to show up and get, especially depending on, we talk a lot about on this show, about how does it look? Does it look like the playoff game that comes into town do you get in there and it's a tough, hard fought game, last minute field goal where you're like, man, we were right there and it gives you that hope for next year? Or does a team with a better record come in here and smash you? And that's another way as well where I'm like, okay, well, what did you really get out of it if you had, let's just say hypothetically, you had to play Dallas? If Dallas comes in here and beats you by four touchdowns and the game is over with in the second quarter, and you don't really have anything to get that excited about, I mean, did it really, really mean something? Like, And I guess that's that's the way I look at it as
0: well. What do you think, Fiddy? What do you think it would mean for the fan base if they got in?
1: First off, it means the world for Steve Wilkes and his candidacy for him to get the head coaching job. It means everything for these players who haven't tasted playoff football and for this fan base, look, the Panthers are a relatively young franchise. They're a franchise that hasn't won championships. But when there's consistent good football here, the fans show up and they protect the bank as good as any small market NFL team does. And so to get that energy back in the city, it would make our jobs so much more fun <laughs> and easier because you got a playoff football team to come in and talk about. And so it would do everything. It would do wonders Because you got to start somewhere. How many teams go from the bottom of the league to hosting the Lombardi Trophy? It doesn't happen very often. And so this will be a building block for a lot of these key cornerstone guys that you want to be a part of potentially a championship team. Well, yeah, and
0: God, I'm struggling so much. Goodness gracious. The thing is, I agree with you for a lot of what you said, but in the NFL, you can have some really quick turnarounds. And I think if Carolina got to the playoffs and then you had a chance to draft a quarterback in the first round, then that is a great starting point for some foundational football. We did have some people writing in um, a two, three, nine number wrote in. I'm with Wes. Sure. getting into the playoffs is fun, but then you get smoked in the first round, getting to the playoffs and losing will actually probably keep us out of the playoffs for another year or two. See, I don't think you're going to yes, suffer. That's how I, look at it. <clears throat> I just don't think you're going to suffer those types of consequences. Did <laughs> you still have foundational pieces? And then he calls me, babe. So <laughs> I need you to take over West.
2: <laughs> okay, let's go. We can do it. Um, no, but what he brings up is a good point, I think, because as I said, I feel like, you know, there's great will in the locker room. I know goodwill is normally the term, but I say great will as far as just what Wilkes is bringing, giving hope to the team, to the franchise. And you kind of have a hodgepodge, as we like to say, of players on the offensive end. Yes, you have a couple of cornerstones when you talk about a DJ Moore, an Icky Aquano, but as far as just that guy at quarterback. And also in your backfield, because as I I said yesterday, just any absence with Deontay Foreman is going to be very detrimental to this team because it also begs another question is how valuable is he? Do we look at him as a true difference maker or do we look at him as – an option of convenience as far as how he's been uh, important to this offense just by the skill set that he brings and not necessarily the player that he is, if that makes any sense. And That's why I say if you have to go into next year, and let's say in the first round you draft a, I don't know, a linebacker or something like that. Okay, fine. Then you come into next year with Sam Donald as your quarterback, Deontay Foreman as your running back. DJ Moore is your top wide receiver. Yeah, you got a good offensive line, but how confident are you going to be going through a 17-game slate with that and knowing there's really no answer for you on the horizon at the quarterback position? But but here's the
0: thing, though. I, I mean, I think ultimately the overall arc of the conversation is to have as high of a draft pick as possible. Let's say Carolina doesn't get in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Carolina's picking like 10th. They're picking ninth right now, so you're not going to be able to get Bryce Young. You're not going to be able to get C.J. Stroud. Let's just say they like Will Levis. I don't know if Will Levis really falls to number nine or ten. If they just go 500 the rest of the way, they're above teams like Las Vegas, Indianapolis, Arizona. Arizona is the first— Well, you have better trade capital. You do have better trade capital, but if they actually get into the playoffs— then you're not talking about this monster different in, in difference in draft positioning. So if you're going to miss all of those top tier prospects, yes, you can trade up with a little less assets to go after a Bryce Young, even though I wouldn't expect Houston to trade the first overall pick. They desperately need a quarterback, so they're out of the running. If you're talking about Chicago, Seattle, Detroit, I mean, I still think Detroit's probably drafting a QB. That's a different conversation. But Detroit is certainly in the mix, right? Philadelphia, they wouldn't draft one. Arizona, Indianapolis, those are the types of teams that you're probably looking to trade up for. Indianapolis, I imagine, would dra- uh, uh, draft a QB. I guess my, my point is, there's just not a big enough difference if you're going to go 500 the rest of the way out, stay in the similar position you are right now, you're picking number 10, might as well go to a playoff Maybe win the first round. You know, it's a glass half full, half empty thing. You're viewing this, and understandably, as maybe they just get blown out. And then, okay, now you kind of hurt your draft positioning. What if they win, though? Because the NFL playoffs are crazy. It's not like it's absolutely insane to see upsets happen in the NFL playoffs. Plus, Carolina hosting a playoff game. That would be something that is also pretty beneficial for this fan base to go to Bank of America Stadium. And even if they lose but it's a close game, still valuable playoff experience for this roster, and it's not like you're moving off all of these guys. So I do think the difference in draft positioning is not nearly worth it to just slack off a little bit and not make a postseason appearance.
2: Yeah, I mean, there definitely is different schools of thought because, as as I said, you know, if you do, let's just say you stay at that 10th position, well, being able to offer the 10th pick in a couple of rounds and then future first rounders, is is more attractive, but, you know, as they like to say, there's more than one way to, uh, I'll be PC here, have a cat. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just depends on what you want to do. But, you know, as I said, in my opinion, I think a playoff experience is just, in my opinion, just academic.
0: Yeah, 803 number wrote in the text line, you always mention all these QBs, but you never mention Hooker. What's up with that? No, the reason I'm not mentioning him is because he's not going to be gone. Carolina's going to have that chance to take Hinden Hooker, and if that's the case, I love him, man. Yes, the age... I mean, there are things to be concerned about with the age for sure, just because when you're talking about rookie scale contract, by the time it's it's going to be time to pay him, he's 30 years old. It's, it's a little bit weird. He's an old QB, even by old QB standards, but I'm still drafting him. I still really like him and I don't expect him to go in the first round. So that's why I'm not bringing him. It's no shade. I love Hendon Hooker. He's just not going to be selected in the top 10. Carolina's going to have their shot, maybe even the second. I mean, I think that's how much of a shot they're going to have. So no shade there whatsoever. Let's continue this Carolina Panthers conversation and not only ask about a playoff appearance for the fan base, what it would mean, what, it would, what would it mean for the owner of this football team and David Tepper. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm going to try to get through it. I might need to go to the bullpen and help you guys, and have you guys help me out because problem that I'm dealing with over here. Really, it's going to have to be the West show because me and Fiddy <laughs> are both going through it, trying to pause during some of the takes that we have. I couldn't get going at all in that last segment. Yeah, so man. I'm, I'm going to try it. to get going.
2: I'm about at 100%, man. I got to give Fiddy credit again. Come on with the heat today. Is that beat? That Benny the Butcher beat right there, is that not the most hip hop but newsy sounding beat? That sounds like it would be like a, a news
0: Do you <laughs> want do you want Fitty to cut that up and have that be our breaking news soundbite? Or do you like the news soundbite that we have right now?
2: It doesn't matter to me. I just said that beat always when I had a mm-hmm. I said that sounds it's hip hop it sounds so newsy. Kyler Murray <laughs> tore his ACL. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I can see that
0: happening. I think that's probably pretty good. You can text in 704-570-9610. Panther Pickle writing in, yes, that's the name, saying Henan Hooker is 24 years old, but Henan Hooker is going to be 25 exactly one month from now. So mm. that's why I called him 25. When he's drafted, he's going to be well 25 Tell so that that's well just that's that's the thing like yeah. he's going to be older now will levis is going to be 24 by the time he actually plays i think he'll still be 23 when he's drafted but he'll be 24 now, are you talking
2: about quarterback age as far as attrition or are you talking about money or what cuz to me well, they they don't get touched so They could play forever. Well,
0: Kyler did last night. You know what I'm saying? Like, that thing, that matters. And now ACL, you're hoping that doesn't happen to anybody. But it also happened to Hendon Hooker. Look, I'm a fan, right? After that Alabama game, when you do that to a big-time opponent, when your pocket presence, the dude just is smart as hell Mm -hmm. watching him operate in the pocket. And part of that might be because of experience. Cool. I mean, he can run a little bit more than given credit for, but I just love the pocket presence. I'm a big fan of Hendon Hooker. It's just, it's not like it's totally crazy to have some issues with the torn ACL coming right into the NFL. And to be 25, when you talk about your contract, mm-hmm. I used to not care at all about age. And even specifically with the NBA, I think you would start to say, hey, he's 24 years old. You know, I don't really want to touch him. That kind of matter, you're talking about overall seasons, on on a pay scale that you can control as long as possible before you have to pay up big time and i think especially a quarterback that matters again it's not deterring me from drafting hendon hooker but it is a point to bring up it's certainly not on the positive side of stuff right you'd rather him be 23 and playing at that age regardless i'm still drafting hendon hooker and we'll see if carolina does draft a quarterback at all in the first round or if they go a different direction 704-570-9610 that is the text line what would a playoff birth mean for David Tepper? Here's Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk actually talking about Steve Wilkes and the success he's having, kind of throwing a wrench in David Tepper's secret plan. Now, it could defy the secret plans of David Tepper, the oligarch who is ruminating on who he can go Ooh, out and throw okay. a big pile of money to to come in and turn this well team around. That's the problem because he said himself on December or October ten. If Steve Wilkes does an incredible job, he'll be the full-time coach. Well, I think he's kind of done an incredible job with the bad hand that he's been Mm -hmm. given. So what does incredible job mean? We're going to find out when the season ends. And I think for now, Tepper just keeps his head low and his mouth shut, and let's see what happens. Maybe this problem takes care of itself, and I can go hire the guy that I want to hire.
1: Or maybe they get to the playoffs, and maybe he wakes up one day and he realizes, this is the guy I should hire.
0: What do you think of Mike Florio's comments on David Tepper?
2: Well, for one, that vocab was insane. Oligarch and whew, he was coming with it. That's right. But uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. That's why I think that I thought it was interesting, even though he backpedaled off of it. That he brought up the fact that the organization was trying to tank, and so I've, I find it to be quite intriguing because when you look at interim coaches over the last two uh, over the last ten years, only two of seventeen. Interim coaches have retained uh, the head coaching job. And for people out there that could be outraged, perhaps if he does not keep him, the last guy in 2021, Rich Basaccia of the Raiders, I liked him. I wanted him to get the job. He went 7-5 and down the stretch, didn't get the job. Greg Williams in 2018 went 5-3 and down the stretch, didn't get the job. Now, Greg Williams had been around more than – well, this is a family show, so I'm not going to – Finish that one. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't even know where you were going. I don't want to explore it, but I don't even know. This is the second we'll time you during that. the break. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, 7-5, and five, that's a hell of a good record after the mess that the Raiders had. Absolutely. He didn't get the job. So, I do think 100% he was dead on. I don't think uh, – I think Tepper did not plan on Wilkes coming in and doing the job that he has done thus far. Right. I think he wanted to go and grab and be with the rest of the league with the trends, grabbing an offensive-minded – whiz kid so to speak as likes to get thrown around a lot he wanted to go get a quarterback that he wants finally and he wanted this team uh down the stretch to put themselves in a position to be able to get the quarterback of the future for this franchise so i agree 100 percent. so
0: what's interesting is you bring up some of the other interim coaches of the last 10 years Mm -hmm. if you look at it so there have been four interim head coaches in the last 10 years to have coached multiple games on an interim basis and go five hundred or better. There were eighteen interim coaches overall in that entire span. The four coaches are Doug Marone, who goes one and one in Jacksonville 2016 before eventually getting the permanent job. You mentioned Greg Williams going five and three, taking over for Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. Joe Philbin went two and two in Green Bay. He took over for Mike McCarthy. And then you mentioned Rich Bashia, seven and five after John Gruden gets fired for the emails and he takes over and does a really good job. Only one of those coaches would get the job permanently though, as we're talking about. And that was Doug Marone. Mm-hmm. Mike Malarkey was the only other interim coach to get the permanent gig for Tennessee. Yeah. That was in 2016. If you look at the amount of games played or excuse me, coached for these interim guys, you're looking at 12 and it's kind of a four five way tie it kind of goes to show you week week five is the max, right? Like yeah. these coaches that can hold on by a thread going into a year. It seems like the trend for owners is to wait five games. And if you don't get it turned around by week five, gone. Okay. Black Monday is a lot earlier for you than it is for some of these other coaches that could be gone. So Steve Wilkes is going to coach 12 games by the time it's all said and done. He's four and four right now. When you mentioned some of those winning records, Greg Williams, five and three. Basashi is the only other one that you can really compare to Steve Wilkes, And coincidentally, it just happened last year. Rich did not get the job. There was a a pretty big uh, support. I think there was a lot of support from the fan base for the Raiders, too. I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, there was the homegrown type of feel. No doubt. You didn't have the entire fan base as rabid. Wanting Steve Wilkes to get this job, maybe as much, even though I do think that he definitely had the support from the players as well. Man, if David Tepper <laughs> fires Steve Wilkes, <laughs> <laughs> your look is what got me. <laughs> when Fiddy is dying in the oh, background, boy, struggling back there. Uh, we all are, man. I can't, I can't really throw any shade. But when you talk about coaching 12 games, I mean, Steve Wilkes really could put up the same exact record. That, that Rich Basaccia did, right? Like if you go seven and five, you, you know, you you win a couple more and you win a few more and only lose one. That's well within the realm of possibility. And then you actually get to the playoffs. Can you do it twice in a row? I mean, Tepper's ultimately going to do whatever he wants to, but it is not going to sit pretty with this fan base that is all in on Steve Wilkes turning this dumpster fire around. And by the way, with the worst quarterback, I mean, Passaccia had Derek Carr. Carolina has Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker. I would argue this job was a lot harder to turn around than what Basaccia did with the Raiders because Gruden was not fired for being a poor coach. He Mm -hmm. was fired because the emails were leaked. And so that's, that's why they decided to move into a different direction, different context here. Wilks only took the job over because Tepper had had enough of Matt rule and still is able to go 500 or better and possibly make a playoff appearance. Man, good luck trying to get rid of them. You are going to have a lot of angry fans at your doorstep.
2: Well, to that I say fans-shmans. Only because, I mean, it's football, man. At the end of the day, fans can get as mad as they want. But as soon as August rolls around and you can start smelling the grass and football starts again, all those fans will take their anger right to the ticket office and pay for their tickets to come see the Panthers. I think it will matter in the fact that – If they win – Well, Right, but I'm saying as far as if they get upset that Wilkes does not get the job, I think they will be angry to an extent, but at the end of the day, fans are still going to come out and want to see their football. Now, I will say as far as tangible, there'll be an underlying current in the fan base that the coach that gets hired, there will be, you know, they're already going to be looking at him with the side eye because they want Wilkes. And I feel like as far as just the intangibles that we've talked about ad nauseum on this show – you would think that would be enough to put him over the top. He's still got some games left because I feel like the opinion on this team can change from week to week. Like if they go out and lose against Pittsburgh, what are we saying? Is that a third? So we'll see. Uh, but no, the fan base will not be happy about it. I've gotten texts from people saying, um, you know, if they get rid of Wilkes, I they, you know, I won't cheer for them again and stuff like that. While I don't believe it, but we'll see. It's going to have to be a hell of a hire if you don't go with Steve
0: Wilkes. Somebody mm-hmm. wrote in Sean Payton. And that's 980 number said, if it's not Sean Payton, fans would be furious, right? And and there'd be some for not football reasons, but for hatred reasons of the rivalry that is the Panthers and the Saints. But yeah. Sean Payton, if you wanted to make that argument, okay, I got you. Payton won a Super Bowl, hell of a record as an offensive mind, cool with it. But if you go after some offensive coordinator for one of these other teams, If you go after some defensive coordinator, a guy that is not proven like a Sean Payton, then they're already, whoever that candidate is, is going to come in with that much more pressure. Nah, I agree with that. because, Because David Tepper is going to go away from somebody that did a pretty damn good job. Hell, honestly, Wes... I I don't think it's going to happen, and I think this is probably a little hyperbolic, but you could argue if you wanted to, they lose out if they contend in all those games. You could say, I didn't expect Steve Wilkes to get four wins the rest of the 12 games that he was going to coach. And here's the underlying issue for me. If they don't go Steve Wilkes and it's not a Sean Payton type of name, It proves that there was nothing Wilkes could do in order to get that permanent head coaching job. And that's going to be a huge indictment on David Tepper as a person and what he said when he said, if he does an incredible job, I'm not here for your semantics argument about what incredible means. I'm not trying to get philosophical with anybody. Okay. Incredible to me means going 500 with this roster. Again, we just laid out the numbers. The only reason the only two guys, coaching multiple games that we saw with a winning record. Rich Basaccia last year, who got the job because John Gruden sent some pretty poorly worded emails that were based off of his intent, mind you. Mm-hmm. And Greg Williams, who went 5-3 and three with Cleveland. For Steve Wilks to go above 500, possibly, with 12 games, and then you still don't bring him, and you still don't bring him in? Never had a shot. That's incredible to me. I mean, this team, we were talking about them tanking West, and then they traded away their best player offensively. And then they traded away Robbie Anderson, which, fine, you can throw that out as whatever. But they're also going in between quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield. They got to have a different game plan for these guys. Yeah, I David Tepper is going to have a lot of explaining to do, and I don't think I would be able to understand it. It would fall on deaf ears, in my opinion.
2: I was going to ask you just based off what you just said and all of the factors that surrounded Wilts' becoming the end-time head coach. Do you think a little bit of what he said in that last game was a little bit of in your face towards Tepper? What do you mean what he said? Just like, like as the- far as just saying all the things that were stacked against him, including bringing up the fact that they were trying to tank, do you think that was a little bit of you thought? Because, because and I'm saying too, based off the wording of Mike Florio yeah. saying Tepper's grand plan, we know things go on behind closed doors we're not privy to. Do you think that speech was a little bit of, yeah, you thought we were going to just go away, but uh, your little plan's not going to work. So I think
0: there's probably
2: some of that. But
0: also, I remember talking with Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN one time, and he brought Uh up a good point about press conferences from coaches. And it was right after David Fisdale did the whole take that for data stance. Mm -hmm. And so many other coaches, people forget, but around that same time in the NBA postseason, there were a lot of other coaches that were talking crazy about the officials and what they did not agree with. And they'd get fined because you're not allowed to do it, but they didn't care because it was the postseason and that fine was worth it to point that out. And it's not necessarily because they're trying to point all of this out to the NBA, but they're trying to send a message that those coaches have their players backs. So when those press conferences happen, I think coaches view that As a different channel to send a message to their players. And it's a very public channel, and that's what matters. A lot of eyes on all of these press conferences that you see. They put this thing out there and stream it on social media. And if you ever look at the numbers for those things, they reach pretty big Mm -hmm. in real time. Those numbers get quite large. And so when you're a player in that locker room, and you can speak to this better than I can because you played football, when you're a player in that locker room, and you hear Steve Wilkes out in the public eye saying, here's everything that was stacked against us. People thought the organization was trying to tank. We've had to deal with all this and that. We lose some players that we were really fond of in and Robbie Anderson that we had a close relationship with and Chris McCaffrey, one of the best players in Panthers history on a short period of time. And we're still out here possibly getting to the playoffs. I think that's a message for his players. And I think it's actually a really smart coaching tactic.
2: Oh, no doubt about it. Because if you hear that speech, you hear people Saying that they get they got fired up by hearing that people in their cars, people listening to the show, anyone who heard that sound bite that's a Panthers fan got fired up by that, and so you know that if they are, then the players certainly are because they know the insider knowledge of everything that was going on. they know what people thought, and nothing athletes love more than to be counted out that 100%. that's what motivates so many guys to make it where they have and to play how they play in a given season. And so now he's giving them a huge proverbial boulder on their shoulder. Didn't mean to make that rhyme, but hey, it is what it is. But he's giving them boulders on their shoulders uh, for the rest of the season. And so guys are definitely fired up by that. And I think he knows too, they may need an extra boost because not that the Panthers should be arrogant by any stretch of the imagination, but you have a Pittsburgh Steelers team coming in here. That is, by all accounts, from many on the outside, an easy win. And so he wants to keep that fire going so that they don't have a letdown this Sunday.
0: Yeah, I do want to go to the text line and bring up a couple. You know, there's somebody that did write in um, saying Tepper is a smart man. He'll figure it out. I mean, he didn't with the first hire. Right. Matt Rule was, in fact, (laughs) Matt Rule was the first coach fired into his third season this year. So it wasn't right. think that was Tepper? I mean, Tepper wrote in. Hell, if (laughs) you think that he's in his basement right now. He might be. Doing the Twitter finger. But that's a very nice basement. Text finger, absolutely. And then somebody said, what if he loses the last four games? Well, then we're not talking about it. Like, this is all under the caveat that you finish with the real experience. Realistic expectation of five hundred. If you finish three and one, four and zero, oh, certainly. If he loses every game,
2: then you have basis again. Is there a threshold for you as far as a record down the stretch to where you say no or yes?
0: Oh well, I'm I'm already saying yes. I guess the way to make me switch my mind if if you go if they go oh, one and three, that doesn't completely knock me off. No, okay. If you go zero oh and four, then okay, like yeah. open season again. Okay. If you want to bring in somebody, I'm cool with it. Yeah. If you go one and three, it's not necessarily knocking off my position mm-hmm. because game matters too. W- what happens in these games. Yeah. Do you suffer any injuries? Do you have any plays where the guys were in right position that they just didn't make? You know, that's coaching some a little bit of, of preparation. But yeah, there are definitely levels to this. And we'll just have to see how it all plays back. We'll get to some other text messages, too, and maybe continue this into the last segment of Wes and Walker. But right now we'll go to the last Fitty flash.
1: Some news coming out around the Orange Bowl where Miles Murphy, the Clemson defensive tackle, has declared for the NFL draft, and he will not play against Tennessee mm. in, in this year's Orange Bowl. He's a top-ten prospect, according to Mel Kuyper. This will be a guy that we'll probably be talking about the Panthers maybe drafting uh, if, if they decide to not go the quarterback route in the first round. And lastly, the semifinals of the World Cup, they're underway Argentina with a 1-0 lead over Croatia. Uh, Messi with the PK in the 32nd minute gives the Argentine uh, national team the lead. I'll ask you guys, who are y'all rooting for to now win the World Cup? You got Argentina and Croatia. Followed by France and the Cinderella that is Morocco later today. I mean, I'll go
0: with the Cinderella. That's fine. I can pull for Morocco. I'm a little bit. I have. I haven't been watching a ton. When I have, it's been highly entertaining, and so I am going to try to watch a little bit more as we get down the stretch here. But the Cinderella is going to be a lot of fun. So I'll just hop on the Morocco bandwagon.
2: I'm gonna go with Messi, man. I like the big stars. I want to mm-hmm. see him get one. He's been. long overdue, so I want to see him get that to add to his legacy. Who are
0: you pulling for, Fiddy?
2: What team has your backing? Uh, I
1: think I'm pulling for France because they knocked out England.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I knew I'd get something great. That's Fiddy, and it's the Wesson Walker Show. One more segment to go before Kyle Bailey on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. What to do i'm pacing back and forth fitty has given me an unexpected amount of control i did not expect to come into <laughs> this last segment with and he's sweating a little bit and no it's not from the probable fever that he's running it's because he's a little scared about what i might do with this power after calling me out for not giving my girlfriend a shout out for running the half marathon before he could just know If I decide to use this information for what I really want to, you had it coming, Fitty. What do you have to say for yourself?
1: You know, I really hope you don't abuse the power that Mm. you have. The last person that abused that power... Was Willie P. And I, look, I'm not saying anything happened to him. Oh, long. you
0: love that guy, though.
1: But And I do love him. friendly Veiled Threat, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, you know, he, he, he took things a step too far. Mm-hmm. And when decisions had to be made by the higher-ups that I am included a part of, he, he wasn't <laughs> included in the decision-making process. Oh, and so, wow.
0: Are you going too far by doing that I mean, probably. Thing? I'm going
1: to get a phone call after work. Yeah. I'm being the example of you to not follow.
0: Okay. Okay. I just want you to know, I'm going to come in tomorrow. I'm going to walk into the fishbowl. I'm going to say hello because I do always first, every single time, whether I'm entering the fishbowl or whether you're entering, and then you're going to say something sideways to me, and then I'm going to remember this moment. Say, all right, next time. like You bought yourself some grace, uh-huh. but of all the times that you throw some sideways comments to me, your moment's coming on air, Fiddy.
1: I just want you to know that. My problem right now mm-hmm. is – it took 2 hours and 46 minutes and all of a sudden that throat is clear you you know you don't have any mucus in your you were standing up i was standing I've never up. seen you stand up ever in the 3 years we have we've have known each other and I'll done radio together i stand up every now and then and so like it it took that little bit it wasn't you know the panthers winning against seattle for you to stand up but it was Something personal. Mm-hmm. You were going to take things a step too far and attack me. Oh, yeah. Your dynamic producer to get you out of your chair.
0: Yeah, look at you. You are a dynamic producer. But I really want to throw this your away. But that's fine. That's okay. See, I am going to hold off on that useful information, and then people will just have to sit there wondering what I'm talking about. We did get a few more texts, and we'll read in before we visit this day in sports history. Salesman... Legendary listener wrote in, I don't believe Tepper is a smart man when it comes to owning a football team. I have no idea what that clown is going to do. He's had more failures in four years than successes. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's the best grunt you've had on this show so far. That was a strong tick. That was. I see purple shorts emerging from under the <laughs> desk right now and the green skin also showing itself. Can you please save that for our the week that was with Wes and Walker? I can because strong. you said please. Thank you, I appreciate you that. that
2: was a strong take.
0: All right, let's visit. What's on tap? What's on tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks Dash Club. North Carolina basketball. They're taking on the Citadel seven p.m. on ESPN. So you're going to have the weird shades of blue and contrast with one of an uh, with one another that are they're not exactly the same. Because one is Carolina blue. Clearly I I can see that coming from a mile away, but how close are they in your opinion? Like they're still pretty damn close.
1: I don't think they're as close as Rhode Island's Carolina blue. Because like whenever I see Rhode Island, sometimes I think in the back of my head that, that that's Carolina on the court till I watch Rhode Island, of course, play basketball. But yeah, no, it it, it will be weird because Carolina will be in their traditional home whites Argyle down the side. But the Citadel, I would imagine, would show up in Carolina blue uh, or or in light blue road unis unless they have an alternate that they wear because it just makes too much
0: sense. So it's Carolina. It's the Citadel. It's Rhode Island. Is there I think there's only one other school that has the light blue, if I'm not mistaken. There's not many. I can't think of it at the top of my head. Maybe the listeners can think of that. Anyways, North Carolina, you expect
2: them to win big tonight after their win against Georgia Tech. Wes, you go first. Oh, no doubt about it. I'm just looking at this slate of ACC games. I just wonder why some of these teams play. I know the smaller schools get a check out of it in a lot of cases, but, I mean, Boston College playing Stonehill. Give me up, Barney. But, anyway, <laughs> they might struggle with them, though, the way they've been playing. But, anyway, no, I expect Carolina to bounce back fully. This will be another game to help get them tuned up further in tune with hopefully a new identity for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I expect them to win big. City, what do you expect, and what are you watching for tonight?
1: The thing I'm watching for tonight is, does Armando Baycott set the record for most career double-doubles at Carolina? He's tied with Billy the Kangaroo Kid Cunningham right now with 61. This is the last final home non-conference game and really the final tune-up game before. It is straight power five competition the rest of the way. And I know it's only December 13th. Carolina only has six quad one games left. So when you you start talking about resume and Mm seeding, they got to make up for a lot of ground. They lost the first month of the year. I had a guy joining me on my podcast that told me the one seeds out of contention already after a four-game losing streak. But if they want to get back up to that two, three, maybe four line, they got to start playing a better brand, more like Carolina basketball starting tonight. Well,
0: and guess what? You got one right out of the gate after the Citadel because you're taking on 23rd ranked Ohio State in the 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 next contest.
1: Like, this is the Citadel.
2: <laughs>
1: does it, Does that not bother you That's the way that it bothers me, that, that schools go by the? Um,
2: Ohio State's
1: the only one I, that I know that yeah,
2: the that. Yeah, the
1: Ohio State.
0: There are a lot of people that try to make that catch on a lot more. Yeah. But I still only think of the Ohio State. I guess the Citadel. I don't really refer to them as Citadel too much. Yeah, it bothers
1: yeah. you a lot? Yeah, no. First off, maybe they do it because they're they're a military academy. But, like, at least Ohio State... Has a historic athletic department that they can they can be boastful and be like we are the Ohio State. What the hell has the Citadel ever done <laughs> on the you know in athletics to go out there and say, say
2: yeah, we'll we it are
1: the Citadel? meet gotcha. South Carolina maybe a few years ago, but that was when Suck Champ was there. Like I wouldn't even be proud about that.
0: Suck Champ, that sounds really bad. Let's go to a seven hundred four oh. number texting in Columbia, the other Ivy League That's school. Right. Yeah, they're light blue as well. So Aren't thank the you.
1: Bears, I think.
0: I just know they're light blue. Thank you to the 704 number that wrote in the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's go to what happened on this day in sports history. Fitty, what you got for us?
1: All right, guys. Only got two uh, articles for you today. Uh, On this day in 2010. Swag daddy. The 76th Heisman Trophy Award was given out Mm -hmm. to Cam Newton of Auburn. Auburn would win the national championship. Carolina would draft him number one in the draft and he would set the standard for quarterback play here in Charlotte. What do you remember the most about his ridiculous Heisman uh, oh,
0: Heisman season? That season was unfreaking believable, and I remember watching the very first game, the very first one I was in high school and realizing oh, I've never seen anything like that before, and I called it right there, should be the first overall pick in the NFL draft because of the throwing ability, but also they just don't make him 250-260 and at the time he was running four 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 five. I think it was I don't know what his 40 time was, but had wheels at that size yeah I I thought immediately okay this is unlike anything I've ever seen before still one of my favorite individual college seasons of all time and it's crazy that the Panthers would be bad enough to be able to take him number one overall it was like my sports heavens aligning with Cam Newton and Carolina marrying one another so cool to see for me because I was a huge fan of both
2: Uh, I remember that Clemson game that was crazy, back and forth, a lot of scoring. That was a fun game. I also remember the LSU game when he really just really turned up. Dude, that run in the third quarter. Yeah. He was dragging dude, from the 10. Yeah. And then, of course, the Alabama game. That game was spectacular because at that point, he had established a rep with me where I – I I felt the whole game, no matter how down Auburn got, that they were going to come back and win that game. And they surely did do that. You remember his rise was kind of a slow grind because at first they had him low first round or not in the first round. But I knew – as the season ended that the momentum was going to build for him to be number one overall.
0: All right. We don't have enough time, but yeah, I mean, that rise, especially with Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, there was some debate, but I will say Marty Herney the whole time said, nah, we never considered those guys. It'd be AJ Green if they didn't select Cam Newton. That's who they were going to take, but it was always going to be Cam Newton. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey show sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ.